Hello, and welcome to the Intellectual Agrarian Podcast, where we talk philosophy from the farm. I'm your host, Terence Lehew. Food and fitness play integral roles in our lives. One often walks with the other. Today, we'll be talking with Nikki Elkure, a primitive wellness and movement expert from Rogue Wellness located in Austin, Texas. Together, we'll be talking about what interested Nikki in the relationship of what we eat to our health, what rogue wellness means, the importance of movement in our lives, and much, much more. With that, let's get on to the episode. Nikki Elkier, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. Before we kind of get started here, would you mind sharing a brief biographical sketch with the audience? Yes. Okay. Uh, so I have been in the uh, fitness and food world, if you may, for about 20 years now, um, dancing. And, uh, and my mother is, is Greek, so I was introduced to you know, the food, food in the kitchen and, and, uh, and homemade meals, you know, all, the family always gathered in the kitchen. And so food, food was always the center of uh, everything that we did. And, uh, and dancing, I was in the studio, you know, five days a week. And that was really up until college. And I discovered the weight room in, in college and really fell in love with lifting heavy things over my head. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that stuck with me for um, you know a good a good ten years, and um, I was ultimately introduced to CrossFit, which, presume you're familiar with, it is all about lifting heavy things over your head. So I dove uh, dove into that and um, I became a, an avid lover of of CrossFit. And um, it wasn't until. About 35, 34, 35, which I realize I just now aged myself, but um, <laughs> I <laughs> I started noticing some physical changes with how you know I was feeling. I, I was hurting after my workouts, and um, and I I felt like I was almost overtraining a bit, and and that translated into shingles which took me off, um, you know, took me out of the game completely. And it was really during that time that I was forced to look at how I was training my body and how I was training other people, what I was teaching other people. And, and I started looking a little bit deeper into, you know, how, how we could do it differently, um, which is when I really discovered the mobility aspect of things and started bringing that into the CrossFit gym. You know, at the time it was really only yoga, which was not something that was welcome and on the weight room floor (laughs) or on the CrossFit. (laughs) Yes. And so I had to be very creative about how I introduced mobility in that scene. Um, 
you know, we, we wouldn't use Zen music, for example. It was, you know, rock or, or rap music and trying to do, you know, mobility and relaxation to that just to, to kind of meet people in the middle and start to bring people over from, from the dark side. And, um, you know, it, it worked really well. It worked really well. And then um, I, you know, that kind of just sent me down the rabbit hole of understanding tissue health, joint health on a much deeper level than just, you know, rolling around on a tennis ball or a foam roller. Um, and, and now actually that's, that's all I do. Um, I, I don't train with weights much um, at all. Um, I still like to lift heavy things over my head, but I, I do it with uh, very odd objects like sense rails and uh, and medicine balls, you know, on my feet. And I like to climb rocks and trees and uh, <laughs> do things a little bit out of the box. Um, and, you know, where the nutrition falls in, um, I actually was, I went to, I went to culinary school after college. And just because I was really interested in the food connection, um, you know, how it connected with, with our bodies and fitness and so on and so forth. And I wanted to understand it from more of a science side, you know, I wanted yeah. to understand, you know, how, how to actually cook food correctly and, and understand how to put food together. And, you know, going to uh, a classical French culinary school was probably not the best way to <laughs> incorporate food and fitness because everything, you know, is very rich and uh and uh grain based um but again there wasn't a lot of option at at the time and um and so i you know i i adhere to a pretty old school methodology of nutrition for a while um and it wasn't until our daughter was born um that i was kind of forced into taking a deeper look. Um, she, at about six months old, started having some GI issues and went to, yes, went to the, um, you know, pediatrician and the suggestion was to give her Motrin three times a day for two weeks and if the dumpstimates decide to come back. And I just left there thinking, I, I wouldn't, take Motrin three times a day mm-hmm. for two weeks. I, I don't know how I could do that to my child. Um, and and it was really in that moment that it clicked that maybe maybe there was a different direction. I could go a different path. And at the time, I had just started seeing um, a holistic uh, chiropractor. I just called him and said, could I bring her in. Could I bring her in and, and could I ask you some questions? Because it doesn't feel like this is the right direction. And he said, sure. And um, sure enough, she, you know, had some intolerances going on. And um, and so we really just kind of rewired the way that we were cooking as a family. Um, and, and that's where my um, path down kind of like the farm to fork started. Uh, I just fell in love with, you know, being able to understand and provide food for my family that 
you know, where I, I knew where it was grown. I knew, um, I knew who was growing it and, um, you know, and, and really started taking a look at, you know, what, what were the animals eating? You know, how, how are these animals cared for and what, what are the different ways of, of doing that and what's the difference in those ways and how does that translate into, um, you know, what does that look like for, for us once when we consume those things? And, um, you know, it's exciting because now people are really interested in that. Um, it's still a very new movement. Um, yeah. You know, as you know, it's something that, um, you know, there, there's a, a, a group of, of people who have been talking about um, integrative practices and, and farming for quite some time now. But it's exciting to see that the general population is really starting to pay attention to it. I don't think that was a very uh, brief answer at all. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) It really, it is incredible to see how so many things, I mean, as as silly as it sounds, I remember back when I was a kid, I watched this old show called Doc and like on TNT or whatever it was, Ion, and about a doctor uh, played by Billy Ray Cyrus. This was pre-Hannah Montana days, so maybe that ages me a little bit. (laughs) But I remember my like someone gave us DVDs with the first couple of seasons one Christmas. And because of nostalgia, I sat back and rewatched some of them. And there's an episode where this girl is having trouble. Uh, she's becoming anemic. She's not gaining enough. She's literally like withering away. And everyone thinks that she's uh, just uh, having an eating disorder and is like throwing up her food mm-hmm. and everything. And she's like, I'm not, I'm not. And eventually they find that she's celiac. And mm. I re- remember rewatching that. I'm like, wow, this was pre gluten day, gluten free days that this episode came out. It's so odd to think that back in those days, we really, I mean, this was probably early 2000s. We really didn't think about things like gluten or health. It just was a different animal. It's just really neat to see the, the difference in people's lives with these great this greater mm-hmm. awareness of these issues the yeah. amount of information that's available my sister mm-hmm. actually recently had to get tested for food intolerances and it turns out she's allergic to almost everything she's can pretty wow. much eat meat and vegetables but all grains mm-hmm. all these different things and it really takes something like that sometimes to get us looking at alternatives which is great but I'm a little curious here on, in terms of mobility for you compared it a little bit to yoga, but what, when you're talking about mobility, what do you mean? And what's the application? Sure. <clears throat> so yoga is uh, an excellent practice. Um, however, it doesn't, I think people get confused about what the purpose of it is. And actually a good yoga instructor will tell you, yoga is not necessarily going to make you more mobile. Um, yoga is uh, a practice of honoring flexibility and working through flexibility. Um, there is a strength component to it. Absolutely. I think it is excellent for just our, um, helping us calm down, you know, and be still and breathe um, and bring awareness to that. Mobility though is actually, um, more of a strength training practice. 
So what I work on with my clients is helping them get their joints into the farthest in range of motion and then training there. So, you know, a lot of times we, we train very uh, linear. You know, if you think about running, if you think about, um, you know, doing an overhead press, a burpee, lunge work. I mean, this is all things that do their linear movements, front to back, up to down. Very rarely are we actually rotating, excuse me, rotating through the joints in our body and challenging our joints in those directions. So the idea is to mitigate injury. You know, we cannot prevent injury. That is not possible. Mm -hmm. So we can mitigate it. And also from um, a rehab perspective, you know, if I have an athlete who has sprained their ankle multiple times, you know, we really focus on strengthening the ankle joint, doing a lot of footwork, you know, a lot of knee work, you know, from the hips down and and rotating through, bringing in things like, you know, ankle weights and, uh, you know, we're making those cool again, um, ankle weights. And, uh, um, you know, using body weights and, you know, getting our, our, putting our body in different positions that doesn't allow us to compensate. So, for example, leaning up against the wall and working through a rotation in my hip capsule um, is much more challenging than just standing there because yeah. when I'm just standing there, I can kind of shift over to the opposite side, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, long story short, flexibility. Is, is kind of your natural ability to, you know, say forward fold, you know, bend over. Mobility and your range of motion is going to be, can you get into that position and then take it a little bit farther and, you know, train your body to be able to go into more of an extension or more flexion with, you know, uh, having to adapt to load, um, whether that be just body weight itself or, um, you know, actual bearing um, objects. So it's, uh, it's a very, it's interesting because it's a, it's, it's not new. You know, I, I kind of, I kind of laugh that it's, a, it's very in, in the uh, fitness world right now. You know, it's very popular, it's, uh, you know, uh, functional range conditioning and things like that. Like these are buzzwords. Um, but this is stuff that's been around forever. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's not really cool. I mean, it's not glamorous. Um, you know, for a long time, nobody wanted to be, you know, the the guy, in, you know, on the gym floor on all fours, like mm-hmm. rotating his hips, you know. <laughs> like, um, and it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but, you know, it's, it's important. And it's, um, you know, I actually just last week had the opportunity to, to work with a large group of high school athletes. And, um, you know, and it's, it's so much fun to, to introduce these practices to them because, you know, they, they don't really get that kind of training and that's no one's fault. It's, uh, it has to do with, um, periodization, you know, and, and scheduling timing and, and, um, you know, these coaches are only given so much time to work with these kids. And so there's just not a lot of room for, you know, spending an hour working on mobility, um, but it's really, it's really fun to introduce to them at, at a young age because they, you know, it clicks. It clicks a lot faster with them than it does with, 
adults. You know, they, they understand it and, and they their their body adapts to it very quickly. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's that's where uh, mobility mobility comes into play. Well, I think it's a really interesting idea because historically speaking, we definitely would be more active and mobile than we are today. And today, most of yeah. us, I mean, they're trade. I mean, well, every time I see a report that says something to the extent of sitting down is the new smoking, I just kind of sit back and go, well, it's kind of the same mm. principle as in agriculture. There's a lot of pushback on things like confined animal feedlots and even chicken barns because you're taking the natural animal and putting it in a facility that it's not designed for. What are we doing to hundreds of Americans every day by putting them in offices? I mean, it's not that I'm saying that we're turning America into a confined animal feedlot. I'm sorry if anyone's starting to tweet at me. It's we do it willingly. What does that say? Uh, But we really, we lose what we're designed for in so many cases. And I think that's why it's great that a lot more people are looking into this Absolutely. and saying, how can we regain that, that full mobility, literally the full range of motion. This is more of a, a curiosity question to what extent in, I know some martial arts have a little bit more range in the movements. Does that come into play? Yeah. So actually there's a lot of, um, connection between you know Brazilian jiu-jitsu and and I personally don't have experience with that but um but the way that you know they do a lot of low gate work so they're you know down on the floor a lot and um and they're you know putting their bodies in positions that are challenging their joints to move in different directions so I would say that it is you know, martial arts is probably the closest um sports practice that is similar to, you know, training mobility um, on a regular basis. And they were the first ones to really adapt such practices. Um, and the, the particular uh, format that I use uh, or, or draw from the most, which is the functional range um, conditioning, uh, we have a lot of uh, jiu-jitsu athletes that are, um, you know, using this to train their, their own own athletes and, and using it on themselves. But I just, I wanted to go back really quick to what you said, you know, just kind of about what, what we're choosing to do as a human being, you know, sitting mm-hmm. um, as much as we do and, and, and being at sedentary. And, and that there's this idea that, you know, getting in an hour at the gym every day is enough. You know, that's movement, that's fitness. Um, when the rest of the day we are, you know, we're, we're sitting at the desk and then we're sitting in the car and then we're sitting on the couch and then we're laying in bed. And, um, you know, something that I, I work on with my, with my clients and that I, I think is a really good thing for everyone to, to try and challenge themselves with is just trying to spend more time on the floor, um, mm-hmm. trying to get up and get down without using, you know, the assistance of something, um, you know, spending more time without shoes on and, you know, letting your feet do what they need to do, working, working the feet, challenging the feet. Um, you know, I, I, I say I'm not really interested in how much weight you can deadlift if you can't get down and get back up 
Um, That's you know, a really good point. What are you doing for yourself? Um, because as we age, the the interest for the for for the majority isn't so much being able to lift heavy things over their head. It's to simply be able to move comfortably, and um, and that that's something that we don't spend a lot of time working on. So, you know, if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're not driving. I, I challenge you to, to try and get down on the floor and get back up without using your hands and see how it goes. It's a really interesting thing to be thinking about, especially since when I think mobility, one of the first things I think of is as people age, there are some that because of arthritis or something along those lines, they do have to do some kind of mobility exercises to keep their joints functional. <clears throat> How yeah. many of us would not have that issue if we spent a little bit more time moving those joints when we're younger? Right. Sure. <clears throat> now, I'm a little curious here as far as you recently changed the name of your business to Rogue Wellness. What was the motivation behind mm-hmm. the change and the intended meaning of it? Well, I uh, the, the handle that I had been using before was actually um, – from some followers. So about six years ago, um, I someone had tagged me and, and used the name Nikki Fit ATX, which was super cute. And uh and and it kind of caught on. And so I I started using that as my handle just because that's what I was, you know, known as, I guess. Um <clears throat> and and it always it always kind of bugged me because it just felt I don't know, this sounds a little traumatic, but it's all a little narcissistic, you know, like <laughs> it was my name saying I was like fit and, you know, I don't know. It just, it didn't feel right. <clears throat> and, uh, I was, I was nervous to change it because, you know, that, that was my website and, uh, um, of course on my you know social media and so on and so forth. But Rogue Wellness has been something that I have had written down on paper for about two years. And I like the word rogue because, you know, it means outlier to me, um, you know, doing, doing things differently against the grain, kind of breaking the rules. And that's always how I have worked with clients. Um, you know, I'm a very out of the box thinker and an out of the box coach. I approach nutrition differently. I approach movement differently and, I wanted to be more clear about that, that people knew that that was kind of what they were getting um, when, you know, when they came to me or when they stumbled upon me on, you know, the gram or, or Facebook or Twitter. Um, yeah. So that's, I just decided one day, you know, it's time. It's time to just go ahead and let that old name go and, uh, and, and start, um, you know, start putting Rogue out there as, as the name of the business. When I think rogue, I can't help but think of the smile on Harrison's Ford face when he plays Han Solo. I don't know why. It always just that's the natural thing I think of, and it makes me smile every time. Uh, <laughs> we actually had a, a name change over here before I actually started the podcast. It was Farming the Dream was the name of my blog, and I still remember that when I first switched things around for the podcast it was really a debate with me because the intellectual gray and codifies more of what we're doing here 
And now Farming mm-hmm. the Dream is still used just in different ways. It's always funny how those names change and what they mean to us. But getting yeah. on with our interview, that that's a whole different diatribe that I could go down for uh, literally hours talking about names. Yeah. <laughs> in, it, it, in your qualifications, which are extensive, uh, I saw that you had a degree in journalism and then the culinary arts degree, which I thought were interesting. Taking yeah. this as two different kind of questions here, how would you say you've applied these to your work? Hmm. Yeah, journalism, I think, was has just helped me with the very basics of business. You know, understanding how to put words on paper um, or, or words on online that are fluid and you know, that, that people can understand and, and connect with. Um, and, you know, the culinary art, I mean, if I'm being quite honest, parents, it's done nothing for me. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I will tell people now, you know, I'll, I'll have parents reach out saying their, their child is interested in, um, you know, going to culinary school, and, and I will encourage them not to. Um, I apologize to all the culinary schools out there, but... You know, I think it is like many um, careers out there. It is it's one that the the skill and um, uh, success is going to come from acquisition in the actual environment. So, mm-hmm. getting yourself a job, at, you know, I'll tell, I'll tell parents have them get a job as a dishwasher at a great restaurant, and tell them to just start paying attention. You know, tell them to stay late and listen and watch and work their way up. You know, the, the business side of things, I think if anybody really wants to, they can understand and, and learn how to start a business. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's so many resources out there now. So long story short, I, I wouldn't say that the, the culinary arts degree has done much of anything. Um, you know, except give us a, a lovely, um, you know, uh, debt bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true. So many things in this. Film. Oh, yeah. 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 I was just curious because I know that I, one of the things I'm seeing a lot lately is articulation as an important thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of farmers that I've met who tend to be like Joel Salton, for example. He worked with the newspaper. He has an English major. People ask why he's so well-spoken and writes so quickly. Well, I'm sure, first of all, it was his natural inclination since he decided to become an English major, but he actually, that's what he's trained to do is to write and be able to articulate Mm -hmm. thoughts and put them on paper. And I'm seeing more and more farmers that have, or agrarians, I'd say, who have this particular skill that they've either learned or developed for articulation. I was just curious if the food culinary aspect played into it at all, because I mean, cooking is a form of articulation in some way, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it is always interesting to see what actually does help us and what doesn't. And Hey, you've gotten the opportunity to steer a lot of people away from making potentially a very bad choice. So that's always great. Yeah, and, and in fairness, it, if I had not had the experience of 
working in a restaurant environment and a commercial kitchen environment, um, which I would not have done had I not gone to culinary school. I would not have had the exposure to kind of the purveyor side of food and, um, you know, working with, um, you know, purchasing from, from different purveyors, food purveyors, and, um, you know, and looking at how the different grades of meat and, you know, the difference, uh, understand the difference in organic and non-organic and so on and so forth with produce. So I guess it is not fair for me to say, Janice, that the culinary uh, degree has done nothing because it, it would not have propelled me into that environment had I not gone to culinary school. Again, it's always interesting to see what ends up helping and how it works, especially mm-hmm. since, like, as you said, you didn't necessarily find much value in it, but it did give you something of value. And again, a, a good lesson for anyone listening is if you want to do something, the actual practical work of what it is, is usually better than the training they could get. As great as an agronomy degree is, I'm sure, I'm there's really nothing that replaces the actual experience of being on a farm or farming That's or if true. you are, if you want to, I mean, there's literally so many different jobs that you can go to school and get a degree in. But then when you show up with no actual practical work experience, their qualifications are and two years of actual experience. It, yeah. it helps. It helps to actually know what you're doing. Speaking of knowing what we're doing, segue, always great. It's a new year. We're recording this in January still. If people are trying to get in shape or really start because... Every year, I'm sure there are a swath of us. They're like, this year, I'm actually going to get into shape. What are some basics that we can really start with? Oh, that's a great question. So the first thing I would say is just to spend a little time thinking about what that means to you. Um, so often I see people skip over that. Um, we go from knowing or deciding that we need to do something different and then just kind of picking something and, and giving it a shot. Um, and not really spending time with our own thoughts as to what would feel good to my body. Um, what is the purpose of this? Why, why do I want to start something new? Why do I want to take care of myself better? And, and then, um, you know, from there, just kind of looking at your options. And I always tell people also to, you know, find, find a partner, um, you know, whether that's a spouse, a friend a child, um, you know, find somebody that keeps you accountable, a coach, a trainer, you know, someone that, um, when, when we have, when we know someone's expecting us to show up, it's a little bit, um, it becomes a little bit more important. And so finding, finding somebody to, you know, to help you see it through. And, um, you also just kind of lowering your expectations of yourself knowing that it doesn't have to be, you know, a, an hour and a half, two hour session in the gym. It doesn't have to be a eight, 10 mile run. You know, it could be simply walking the dog, standing up at your desk and doing a handstand against the wall. You know, it, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, these extreme measures, which I think, I think ultimately set us up for failure because, we have the mindset that it has to look a certain way. And if it doesn't look that way, then we fail. And, you know, movement is life. And, and 
it doesn't matter how much or how little as long as you are doing it. What I and love, then also, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, please. Oh, I was just going to say also asking if it feels good to your body. You know, if if you if you do something and it doesn't feel good, then you should probably try something else. Yep. What I love is that from what I'm hearing from you, it is these are the things that will keep us actually doing it. It's having intention and motivation, knowing what establishing and knowing what you want to do and why you want to do it. Having someone else to help keep you accountable to keep doing it. And lastly, knowing that it's actually good for you, which makes you, I mean, doing something that is good for you, that makes you feel better. Those elements cobbled together really, really are a good recipe to keep doing it. Too many people, I often joke when I was at the gym in January, is that almost none of those people will be there in February, March. That's just the sad reality. That's correct. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's because there's, there isn't guidance. There isn't, um, you know, like you said, that intention. And, and that's difficult for, difficult for us to impose on ourselves because that means being still with our own thoughts and focusing on ourselves and as, as human being, our human beings, you know, our nature is to not do that in a healthy way necessarily. I like the idea that this is a matter of intention and we're really establishing setting goals and not setting goals that are too impossible for us. Because I think that if you go into exercising wanting to look like Chris Hemsworth, that's fine. <laughs> but you're not going to get there after going to the gym for a month unless you already look like slightly out of shape, Chris Hemsworth, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. It's just not. And, you know, having, looking at it from a bigger picture too, not just about, you know, uh, from, from aesthetic, you know, from, from a physical appearance, but, but, you know, fitness really starts with the food that we're consuming and, Amen. you know, the self-care practices, how much sleep are we getting? Um, what does our community look like? You know, who are we spending our time with? Um, you know, what are, what kind of information are we consuming? Um, how much water are we drinking? Right. So it's, it's not, um, it's not just about going out and doing something active because if you come home and, um, you know, have, um, you know, sit, sit down on the couch or, um, you know, you're not feeding your body in an integrative way, then, you know, that movement just kind of gets canceled out. So it's really important to, um, to look at the big picture. And again, when looking at the big picture, to know that it doesn't have to be overwhelming, right? Because I think people are like, oh, I can't, that's just so much change, you know, changing my food, you know, trying to get more sleep, trying to exercise every day. And, and again, my advice is just lower your expectations. You know, it doesn't have to be that, it doesn't have to be that big, you know, only, only spend 20, 30 minutes on, you know, a physical, specific physical activity. Um, you know, listen to a podcast about nutrition or listen to, um, you know, uh, I mean, listen to, listen to Terrence and, and, and who he's talking to, you know, plug, plug in to, you know, find, find ways to kind of infiltrate your just day to day schedule with with information and 
you know, those things will, you'll start absorbing them naturally. Um, you know, trying to pay attention to, you don't have to completely rewire your food and, you know, one week, um, you know, pick something and, and pick meat and start, you know, paying attention to the meat, spending more time at the meat counter asking questions, um, you know, spend maybe in the, you know, in the produce aisle, spend more time, you know, experiment with different, uh, different vegetables, um, you know, pick, pick one side. I mean, I understand, I understand that life gets chaotic. I mean, you know, especially with, you know, you've got kids going every direction and work and, you know, it's, it's very difficult to, um, you know, to, to do this, uh, perfectly and nobody's expecting that, but, you know, I'll, I'll tell someone try and go to the farmer's market at least once a month, at least once a month, you know, make it, uh, uh, an adventure with the family on Saturday morning, you know, let the kids give the kids three, four five bucks and tell them to, you know, go find something. And, you know, that, you know, Saturday night becomes, you know, the family bringing together all the things that they picked and just kind of explore and, you know, taste test and, you know, um, I mean, there's, there's so many, so many, I mean, this could be again, another <laughs> hour, two hour conversation, <laughs> but it's, it's little things, right. It's just implementing those little things, um, day to day and suddenly they become just a part of your life without you even realizing it. A great book that I read this last year, uh, and I highly recommend it to anyone listening it is called Atomic Habits. And the whole idea is these small little habits that are extremely powerful and making those small little changes that incrementally improve your life. For me, one of those small little habit changes was sleeping. I have done, mm. since I started picking this is the time I go to the gym, I do a much better job at going to bed at a specific hour so I get a roughly eight hours sleep. Having that... If I get less than six hours sleep, I know that my day is going to be crap. So I do my utmost to make sure that I am a responsible human being who goes to bed on time. That little so change smart. has made so such smart. an impact in my day-to-day -day life. A little change that is highly impact, you know, highly impactive on, on your life. And, and we as Americans especially take almost a pride in our sleep deficits. Um, and it, it does, it really is, really is the foundation of so many things. Um, and yeah, six, six, seven, eight hours makes all the difference in the world. So I applaud you for doing that and making that a priority. Thank you. Now, recently you were diagnosed with hypothyroidism. To what extent yeah. can something like that be treated naturally? Because I've known one or two people that have had thyroid issues and, they have to take a cocktail of different medications mm -hmm. to manage it. Well, this is a, um, this is a very broad topic because there are so many, there are so many pathways that you can go. Um, and there are so many autoimmune disorders, um, that, require different approach, different uh, attack. Now, the hypothyroidism, excuse me, is something that I just recently, as in the last week, been diagnosed with, quote-unquote. Um, and 
so I am, I'm still um, trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to navigate that. And I, I'm a person who, who prefers navigate on my own. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I like to really pull from my, uh, you know, some food and, um, and I do believe in supplementation, but very strategic supplementation and very clean supplementation. Um, you know, I, I think that less is more and, um, and it does get very confusing. You know, there's, there are, there's so much out there. It's, it's confusing to know, um, what would be the right path for you. But I would say that with, with thyroid, with, with hormone disorders, there, there's a spectrum. So depending on where you are on that spectrum, um, will depend on whether you do require some, um, medicinal assistance and some, some hormone therapies. I have worked with and seen people reverse their thyroid um, issues and be able to come off of medication by changing things with their food, with their lifestyle. Um, I uh, will see what happens with me <laughs> and I will let you know. My plan yes. right now is to, um, absolutely, my plan right now is to get um, even more, um, you know, buckle down even more on my own, own nutrition and, and lifestyle and um, cutting back on, you know, how I'm, um, how much work and, and how much, you know, adding in more sleep and, um, you know, looking at hydration and things like that and, and really dialing that in even more so than I already have. But yeah, I will absolutely uh, let you know as, as the journey progresses, um, what I find out, because I do think it's, it's something that is, uh, so common, you know, it's so common. And I wasn't, I wasn't shocked when, uh, you know, the brother came back the way that it did. Um, and, and I'm in no way concerned whatsoever. If anything, I'm, I'm kind of excited because I kind of like being a lab rat and, uh, <laughs> you know, try, trying to figure things out and do things differently. And, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. I totally understand. It is, I think that it's so much of a mindset difference. There are some people Mm -hmm. that when they receive news like this, immediately break down. They don't know what they're going to do because it's a difference of having a, an action mindset versus an inactive mindset Mm -hmm. when, and I think that's sadly what a lot of medical issues tend to be is that so many of us are used to being so inactive that we just do whatever we're told. And in some cases that is required. I'll caveat there. Some cases that is required. Absolutely. But there's still a point where we can take ownership. I haven't read it yet, but it's the idea of extreme ownership by that Jocko Willick talks about. And it's a book I need to read, but having a defaulting on action, defaulting on the right action and, trying to make a difference. And I think that's great that you're taking ownership of this and going to experiment and see what works best for you. Because it is somewhat case by case in some cases. It is. Yeah, it is. And, you know, a diagnosis is, is just the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we tend to think a diagnosis is, is the end. <clears throat> but, you know, we've now been labeled and this is life going forward. Uh, it's, it's really just the beginning of, of you know, finding out information and uh, it's a good starting point. Good starting point. Nikki, thank you so much for being on the show. 
Where can people go to learn more about you and your work? Sure. Um, the website is rogueuewellness.co, because I am trendy and moving away from .com. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on social media, you can find me across all the platforms at Nikki Alcure Official. Well, thank you again so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Big thanks, of course, to Nikki for joining us today. You can learn more about her work by going to roguewellness.co and by following her on Instagram at Nikki Alcure Official. All of this, of course, will be linked in the show notes. If you're new to the show, please subscribe on whatever your podcast player of choice is. We're on all of them, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and of course, iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. While you are there, please be kind enough to leave us a review, letting others know how great the show is. Thanks again for listening. This has been Terrence Lahue and the Intellectual Agrarian Podcast reminding you to keep farming the dream. <laughs>